Welcome to the Kapow Radio Show. Yes, today's date is June 19th, 2017. I didn't know where you went. I thought you disappeared there for a while. Excuse I'm me. here. <laughs> I, I thought you got raptured. Until I, I got raptured? Behind. No, not until after I finished this. <laughs> okay, and then Jinjis uh, can come? Yeah, you never know. It's a good idea. It's a good <laughs> idea. I, I like it. I like it. Well, today, folks, we'll continue in our Enochian studies. Now, last week, we uh, did uh, a show, and we talked about the God's 7,000-year plan, or sometimes it's called 6,000-year plan. It just depends. And we talked about the Sabbath and all that stuff. And we played an audio clip um, from a group called the uh, Christia, Christadelphians, yes. and, I, and I gave out their website in a whole bit. So, I need to apologize because it was brought to my attention by our good friend Allison from Down Under, Australia, that she she did some research on the Christadelphians. And, and good for her. And good that for she her. did the Berean. She, I was, I, I'm really proud of her. Yep. She did the right thing. She looked into it. She vetted it out. Mm-hmm. She looked a little deeper. And I have to apologize, and I have to tell you, the Christadelphians are, um, they believe a heresy in that they do not believe that Christ was divine. They believe that Jesus was fully human, he was a man, and he had no divinity, and he didn't spill divine blood. So I don't know how in the world they can claim to be biblical Christians. And on their on their website, they say they're students. They're just a group of students. Now, I don't think... I don't believe that the audio I played for you was them. I just think that they took that audio, that video, and used it on their website. But I don't believe that man teaching was a Christadelphian. Because the Christadelphians are a bunch of students. They say so. Unorganized students. I still think that's the best teaching out there, the audio we played, as far as laying it all out and making sense. If you guys got through it and could make sense of it. But the group itself that I gave the website to, the Christadelphians, don't go there because they do not believe in the divinity of Christ. So thank you, Allison, for pointing that out. And, you know, that also holds us accountable because I didn't vet that all out. I don't have time to read every little, you know, every little person I talk about. I can't, you know, get into every little thing they believe. But just to let everybody clear, we do not support the Christadelphians or their heresy that Jesus was not divine. Is that pretty clear, Ms. Kapow? Yep. You know, there is a difference between matters of salvation and uh, matters of opinion, you know, or sometimes, you know, doctrines that don't have anything to do with salvation. But when you're talking about the divinity of Christ, that's a matter of salvation. Yeah, that's, that's huge. <laughs> It's huge. Yeah. He's the only way through salvation, through his, he's God made flesh. And if you don't believe that he's God made flesh, then that belief is antichrist. That's what the scriptures say. That's right. So I just, it just boggled my mind that a group that would claim to be biblically um, in tune and excited about the word of God and, you know, go, they go back directly to the Bible would fall into such ancient Error and it is an ancient error. There's there's a lot of it's called Arianism. That's one of the terms, but there's like half a dozen heresies in the first second century of the church uh, that believed that and um, were put out as heretics and fought against. So 
It's amazing that such an old heresy would still raise exist, its head. but it's going to be here until yeah, until the consummation the very, very of the end. But anyway, I, I apologize. Don't go to that website. But anyway, I still hold true to the audio we played because I do mm-hmm. not believe that's the Christadelphians because it was an older man, and uh, it was probably from the Continuing Church of God. I bet. Um, I, I would bet that's what that audio was from because it was really it was good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next. <laughs> Next. Okay. So real quick, in case there's any confusion about that seven year plan. That audio really did lay it all out, but I just want to, you know, real quick, kind of go over some of this stuff. I want you to picture day one from creation, and here's the deal. No one knows when creation is. I want to make that clear because there are some teaching out there that say creation began at uh, 4004 B.C., and they arrived at this number, and I'll tell you exactly um, who did it. It was... Some bishop of um, of uh, of England, a while you know, in seventeen I don't know seventeen hundreds or something like that. And what he did is he took the lineage of the kings and he traced it all the way back. Well, the problem is there was a bunch of errors because you sometimes you don't know when a king ended and his son took over. Sometimes, like in David's case, Solomon took over the kingdom, but David wasn't dead. Right. So. So that's how he did it, and he came back and he arrived at creation must have been around uh, 4004 B.C., and then, of course, you work your way up, and, you know. The reason why you can't do that is because no one knows the date of creation, and that's why God says, or Jesus said, no one, not even the angels, not even Christ on earth, knew the the day or the hour, the exact time of uh God's consummation of the age mm-hmm. because only God knows when he created everything because time didn't exist. That's right. So the angels were created before time existed. So they don't know. I mean, it's impossible to tell because there was no time. Only God knows. So they try to work numbers and crunch them and, and go back to stuff like that is a moot point. And it's futility, and, and humans have been doing this for centuries. Mm-hmm. So we need to be careful in this. And I'm not promoting doing that. I'm just saying, that in general, there's 6,000 years of work, and then the last 7,000 years is a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I promote that or say that is because we're in the entail of the 6,000 years. Right. So that makes me excited that my redemption may be around the corner mm-hmm. or maybe not. I could be two or 300 years. I could be a thousand years off. You know, I don't think I'm a thousand years off, but I could be some time off. And then in that case, I'm just going to die and meet my maker anyway. But you know, I, it's hard for me to understand why God places things so urgently, not only on our hearts, but on a lot of people's hearts about the end times. Yeah. If it's not the end times, I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, God could have us preaching about a, a lot of different stuff, about love and about healing and about all that good stuff. But, he, you know, we're really concentrating on just like getting on the bus. Right. And um, I don't know why that would be if uh, if we weren't close. So anyway, real close. Let's look at day one. And you just start at zero. Whenever that was, whenever creation was in, in the timeless past, that's zero. 
Mm-hmm. So that first day is the first thousand years of human history. All right. So that's going to include, you know, that's going to include Adam through, um, you know, Enoch or, you know, Methuselah. It's going to include uh, Enoch being raptured. It's the patriarchal age. Right. And then you go to the second thousand year period. And in that, that includes Noah, the flood, the Tower of Babel, you know, that part of human history. Let's go to the third 1,000 year day. Now you got, um, you know, Abraham, you got Isaac, Jacob, you got Joseph, you have Moses, you have the law giving, given in that third 1,000 year period. Uh, let's go to the fourth day. And at the fourth day, you have the prophets Elijah, Elisha, Joel, you know, um, Amos, Hosea, on and on. You got Daniel, Ezekiel, you got the captivity, the Babylonian captivity. Of Israel, and at the end of that fourth, you know, oh, I'm sorry, um, yeah, at the end of that fourth day, you know, you have right, right there at that cusp, you have the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, and then you have the birth of Jesus Christ, and I believe, and then that fifth day starts, mm-hmm. and that fifth day starts, you have the resurrection of Christ, you have the death and resurrection, and so if you're in the fifth day. Right. And you understand that there's six days and you're in the fifth day. You can literally stand up and go, we are in the last days. Right. Because, you know, you only have two days. And so when the New Testament writers and Peter says we are in the last days, oftentimes it's because they understood they were in the fifth day and there's only one more, you know, a couple more thousand years and that's it. Mm -hmm. Right. So in that fifth day, you know, you have. The the uh, the early churches of Ephesus and Smyrna and, and Pergamos and Thyatira and you know and on and on and um, and you have the the church age and then in that sixth day that six thousand year day as you can see you know the temple's already been destroyed you have Roman Catholicism and their harlotry taking over you have you know the Reformation you have all these things going on. Until the end of that sixth day. And whenever that end of that sixth day is, then that church of Christ, that body of Christ, will be raptured out before judgment on this earth. So there's going to be judgment on this earth. There will be a rapture within that 6,000 period. Mm-hmm. You understand? So that's where we're at. Whether that's tomorrow or 300 years from now, I don't know. But we're in that that period, and it can't go on. It can't go on too much. And then after you know, after that, after the the uh, rapture and the revealing of Jesus Christ to all the world, then there's going to be a millennial reign, and mm-hmm. that starts that seventh day, and that's why they call it the seven thousand year plan or six thousand year plan of mm-hmm. God. And so that's the Sabbath. And as if you listen to last week's audio, you'll understand that seven is an important number, that the Sabbath is all throughout the Bible, and this isn't anything that anybody just made up, but it's long been Christian history and Jewish history for many, many centuries. That's right. Praise okay. the Lord. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yes, you know, real close. So I, I don't think I need to beat the dead horse over that. Mm-mm. No? Okay. Then I shall not miss Kapow <laughs> because I could. Well, let me say this. Let me take another chance and 
send you to another website so you can Berean everything. I don't know much about these people. They're called, um, I think they're called Continuing Church of God. All right. So I don't, I don't think they're heretics. Um, I don't think they're God-only people. I, I do believe they believe in Jesus Christ as deity. I'm not sure, so you, <laughs> you can vet it out for me. But they do have some excellent teaching, teaching on the 6,000-year plan. Go to cogwriter.com. C-O-G stands for Church of God, by the way. Cogwriter, C-O-G, writer. W R I T E R C O G writer cogwriter dot com slash six thousand year plan and um you know you're gonna find this and they have a very good um easy to read article here where they go through all the history and all the people who believe this and the Jews and what they believed in it in the scripture and they make a very good case that's hard to refute so that'll save me hours of trying to explain it i can't explain it luthy <laughs> uh, apparently in the mandela effect ricky ricardo never said that i know that's crazy yeah i don't believe that true but anyway that's what we heard on youtube so it has to be true okay where am i miss Capel? Yeah, you just finished the uh, 6,000 yes. Okay. Oh, plan. yeah. I'm at Enoch's 10 weeks. Still not going to talk about that. Even as much as you want me to, I'm not going to talk about it yet. You know why? Because Ms. Capel and I have to fully, fully grasp it before we can articulate it. And the grasping of it, the problems with this come with our understanding and our, or, or the lack of it or the lack of knowledge of history. Uh, Enoch has 10 weeks and they're in, they appear to be in 700 year units. There are some folks who try to put them in 724 year units and that's the Mormons. Some of Mormons do that. The problem with that is that's never biblical. I mean, God never has 724 years in anything. It's, it's 770. It's all sevens. So it's kind of weird, even though uh, some of the Mormon scholars have done great work in, in trying to, you know, vet this stuff out. And then uh, there's some that believe that Onox, Onox, I used to have a dog <laughs> named Onox, because that's why I always call it Onox, A-N-A-K. And that means um, little child, little child in um, what language is that? Uh, Dutch. Dutch. So I call Enoch Anak a lot of times. Well, actually, it's um, Malaysia. Yeah, Malaysia, whatever. All right. Uh, but we digress. Okay, so they all kind of have their issues. Some people believe that Enoch's ten weeks are a thousand year units, and of course that would throw things way off because in Enoch's ten weeks, each period, each week has one, maybe two events that are important to God to dictate to Enoch, to dictate to us. So those events have to match general historical time frames or they just don't make sense. You know, for example, in the very first week of Enoch's 10 weeks, he says, I was born 
the seventh. I was born in the seventh part of the first week. So, you know, that's an event that he's talking about in the first week. So you go to, say, the Bible, the timeline, and you find out that Enoch was born in, you know, 1,200 years after creation or whatever. Well, then that doesn't fit the timeline, right? It, it, he has to be born within the seventh part of that week. So within it, the first thousand years. Yes. You know, if if it's. Yeah, exactly. And it seems to he's laying out a timeline of 700 year periods, um, assuming that his seventh part is the last and then he's going to keep doing sevens because 10 times seven is 7,000 and um, or 700, 10 times 700, 7,000. And it kind of fits the 7,000 year plan. So you, you look at the Bible and you see that Enoch was, in fact, born in 622. 622. And you go, well, how's that the seventh part? Because counting from zero of unknown creation to seven, that's that 622 is in the seventh part. Because when you get to 699, that turns over to seven. You get that? It's kind of hard to articulate it verbally. It's it's very it's easier to write it out and you can see it. But that's just one example. Um, another example is in the second week. There's language that appears to be Noah's flood, but yet Noah's flood, the flood, didn't occur until the third week, in in sixteen fifty seven B.C. You know that's what men say. It's, a, it's about 157 years off of what would be week two in Enoch's 10-week prophecy. But as Ms. Kapow and I were going over it, even though at first glance it looks like it's talking about the flood, it's talking about something differently. It has something to do with Adam. It has everything to do with salvation. It has something to do with Adam. It has something to do with Enoch's translation of his, of his rapture. So... Not to confuse you, but those are just some examples of some issues that come up when you're dealing with Enoch's 10-week prophecy. That's why, before we articulate it, we really have to know what we're talking about. Correct? Mm-hmm. And let me just say this. As far as my personal opinion on Enoch, I think you all know that, what I believe on that book. I believe in its authenticity. Authenticity. Yes. <laughs> I can't say it either. I believe it's authentic 100%. I believe that those words, <clears throat> those concepts contained in the book of Enoch were in fact scribed and written by Enoch. I believe it's authentic. Notwithstanding that there are issues involved in the preservation of those words. You get it? I believe that it's authentic. I don't believe in its preservation. There's problems in its translation from the original language of G is because that's the only language we have where it's fully intact. And then going back and trying to interpret it through Greek fragments and Aramaic fragments and Hebrew fragments found in the Dead Sea 
scrolls and whatnot. There's problems with the preservation of the words. <clears throat> but in my opinion, there's no problem with its authenticity. I still can't say it. Make sense, Ms. Kamel? Mm-hmm. You're awfully quiet over there. I don't hear any amens. Oh, I'm listening. You're just taking it all in. I need some shouts out now and then. I need like, amen, brother, preach it. All right. <laughs> preach it. So, we'll get into the 10-week prophecy a little later uh, after we kind of really make sure we have our head around it. So, for right now, as a precursor, let's talk about Daniel's 70 weeks. Yay! Daniel's 70 weeks, because we can understand that because we have the biblical text. And we have Daniel written in both Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, in both in one book, it appears that when Daniel is talking about world events, it's in Aramaic. And when he is uh, talking or writing about specific events for Israel, <clears throat> it's in Hebrew. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's cool. And also, you know, the, the chapters are not ordered uh, correctly not in our in, Bibles. Yeah. In sequence. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you can look that up, but... At one time, I took Daniel and ordered them correctly. Things do make sense uh, when they're ordered correctly, but for some reason, they're not ordered correctly. And um, who knows? Only one could speculate why that is. So let's look at Daniel 70 weeks. We've all heard of this, or we all should have, and we all should know it kind of well. Uh, there's a lot of, um, once again, error and speculation in this. I just want to say that the anti there are some who believe i think most believe many many people uh most evangelicals believe in an antichrist and this antichrist is going to be a world leader uh this antichrist is going to um sit in a temple a third temple that's built in Jerusalem and he's going to sit there as god as a god and he's going to make a covenant he's going to make a covenant with last day israel and this will be the last 7 days Seven, I'm sorry, last seven uh, years, the last week, the last seven years of Daniel's 70 week prophecy. And then this Antichrist will, in the middle of that week, three and a half week, break that covenant with Israel. Tribulation will break out. All hell will break out. And, um, you know, it's going to be a big mess. And if you're a pre-tribulationist, you're up in heaven eating matzo balls and not worried about it. Uh, if you're post-tribulationist, you're in America, not worried about it. Mm-hmm. You know, blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of people you know, believe that. Well, that's the only thing that's really been taught. Yeah, it's the only thing been taught by, by a lot of people for probably since Darby or the Schofield Bible. That's right. You know, this kind of thing. And what I'm about to tell you today is something totally different. So you just bear with me. You can, you can believe what I believe or not believe what I believe. It matters little. I do not believe these are doctrines of salvation. I, I do not believe that if one's looking for the Antichrist to sit in the third temple built in Jerusalem, Israel, that that person is not saved. I do not believe that one bit. I also don't believe if I don't believe that, and I believe that the covenant made with Israel was a covenant that Christ made with Israel and that the sacrifice ended when he was the final sacrifice for all sins, I don't believe that I'm going to be rejected 
by Christ for that belief either. Okay? So, what I do believe it does, it does affect your worldview and what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. The Antichrist doctrine, I mean, it comes from this particular scripture, Daniel 9, chapters 24 through 27. It comes from this, but it's also mixed in with Paul's man of sin in Thessalonians. And then it's mixed in with Revelation, you know, I think it's chapter 13, the beasts. And all those things are, are mixed in, uh, the mark of the beast and all that stuff to form this whole Antichrist deal. Now, I'm not going to talk about those other scriptures. Maybe those other scriptures, man, Paul's man of lawlessness and Revelation, the beasts, um, and, you know, the number of the man, 666, perhaps that does refer to a antichrist type of figure i don't know but what i do know and i'll tell you today that daniel 9 24 through 27 does not it does not that daniel 70 week in my opinion it's over it's done and it's past prophecy and it confirms that god has a timeline and that's the beauty of it not only the salvation of jesus christ but god has a specific timeline and he knows when everything is going to happen and that's it right. does happen that's in preference to this Enochian 10 weeks that we want to pr produce because we know God's timeline is perfect. Mm -hmm. It's our knowledge and our interpretation of things that are, that are imperfect and only the Holy Spirit can reveal certain things That's to right. you. Okay. Now I have Daniel nine twenty four through 27 up on my computer if you want me to read well, it. Why don't you or read the whole thing and then I'll, I'm going to read it and then we'll break it down. Okay. All right. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth to the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate okay so from that scripture especially the end part about the covenant in the last seven years then we get uh, the doctrine of the the antichrist sitting in jerusalem and all that stuff i guess my my point is is uh, who, who are you looking for are you looking for the return of Christ or the Antichrist. the rise of the Antichrist. Um, I don't I don't think looking for the rise of the Antichrist is going to keep you out of heaven at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that while doing that, you could be missing uh, what's really going on in mm -hmm. the consummation of the age. Okay, that's that's all I'm saying. And I, I'm treading lightly because I know the majority of people 
aren't going to believe the way I'm, I'm saying it. I'm going to articulate it. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to offend anybody. I just, I just want. Yeah, but this is just food for thought. It is food for thought. It and is. it's something that we see. Yeah. And that we're just sharing with our listeners. Yes. Okay. I'm not telling anybody what to believe. Okay. Uh, so what Miss Capal just read to you? Let's break that down line by line and go over it. In Daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven. It talks about 70 weeks. These 70 weeks are 70 times 7. Everything's in 7s. That equals 490 years total. The angel is revealing this to Daniel in this chapter after Daniel has been praying about his people, the Jewish people, and he's been praying about his city, Jerusalem, And, of course, the corporate heart of Jerusalem because they're in Babylon in captivity. Mm -hmm. And he started praying this in chapter 9 after reading the prophecies of Jeremiah, who prophesied the captivity before it happened. Mm -hmm. And while reading this, Daniel realizes that they're coming to the close of the 70 years. So he's praying for his city and for his holy people and to get understanding of what's Mm going to happen. So this is the context in which the angel comes and the angel gives him understanding. And he says there's 70 weeks. That means 70 times seven. There's 490 years are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. That's Israel and Jerusalem. That's not you in Connecticut. That's not you in Japan. Thy people and thy holy city are Israel and Jerusalem. That's Daniel's people and his holy city. This is not a worldwide prophecy. This is specific for Israel who are in captivity at the time of this writing. Mm-hmm. And the angel gives him three unequal time units. The first one, it's a total of 490 years, but they include three unequal units of time. The first one is 49 years. Something's going to happen. And then the next one is a long 434 years that things are going to happen. And then the last one is seven years that things are going to happen. All right? So, 70 weeks or 490 years are determined upon Israel and Jerusalem. There's seven things, there's units of seven I want you to notice that are going to be accomplished during this 490 years. The first one is to finish the transgression. Whose transgression? Israel's transgression. They're in captivity for transgressing God's law. Especially, guess what? The land Sabbath. They did not let the earth lay fallow on the sabbatical year. Every seventh year, they weren't supposed to mess with the land. Six days of work, and that last seventh day was rest. And they violated that, and because of that, their temple and their city have been destroyed by Babylonians by Nebuchadnezzar, and they're in captivity. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Okay. So number one, the first thing 
The first unit of sevens within this prophecy is to finish the transgression. That's their transgression. The second thing is to make an end of sins. So what's going to happen in 490 years is it's going to finish their transgression. And two, it's going to make an end of those sins. Mm -hmm. Three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. What does that mean? To make reconciliation. They don't have any temple. They don't have a temple right now. How are they going to make reconciliation for these sins and iniquity? Four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's Christ. If you don't see Christ in that, I don't know what to tell you. He's the only one that has everlasting righteousness. Mm -hmm. that, that's going to occur in 490 years to bring in everlasting righteousness. And five, to seal up the vision. To seal up the vision. That means to stamp approval on it. Mm -hmm. I give a prophecy and boom, here's the seal of approval and confirmation. Mm-hmm. When the 490 years are up, you and fulfilled, will know yes, that God is in full control of all time. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And this, and and the sixth one is prophecy to seal up the vision and also to seal or confirm the prophecy. And the last is to anoint the most holy. And a lot of there's some Bible translations that say the, uh, to anoint the most holy place. And they say, well, that's the temple. That's mm -hmm. the, to build the temple. It just says the most holy, the most holy. And if you want to make the holy place, it's not the physical temple. It's it's your temple. You're the dwelling. You're the place where Holy Spirit dwells. Mm -hmm. All right. But it's to anoint the most holy. It's Jesus Christ. That's right. OK, so everything is pointing to salvation. Not to the Antichrist. Everything is pointing to Christ mm -hmm. so far. So then the angel continues and he says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment. Now that's in Hebrew, that's called the debar. Debar. That means word or a command. And it's from God. And that is found in the writings of Jeremiah the prophet. Now, isn't that interesting that. Daniel just happens to be reading that. Mm -hmm. And not only did Jeremiah get the prophecy that they were going to go into captivity, Jeremiah also got the prophecy that they were going to come back into the land. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so anyway, it's the going forth of the commandment, the debar, the word from Jeremiah the prophet to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince. That's not Christ because let me let me go on with you. Shall be the time frame shall be seven weeks. Seven weeks is seven times seven. That's forty nine years. Jesus Christ didn't come in forty nine years in Daniel's lifetime. Mm -mm. But you know who did? You know who else was a Messiah? A Messiah in Hebrew means anointed one. God's anointed. That's all Messiah means. A Mashiach is God's anointed one. You know who was God's anointed one? King Cyrus was. He's in Isaiah, is it 44, Ms. Kapow? I'm not sure, I forget. I think it's 44. There's a prophecy, Isaiah, four, three or 400 years um, before the birth of King Cyrus, he was prophesied by name, by name, and called God's anointed. You know why God anointed him? Why he was put... In the place he was in a, as a Persian, medio Persian king, because he's the one who released the Jews 
from captivity and let them go back into their land to guess what? Rebuild. That's the going forth of the word. That's the going forth. That's the debar, the word that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. So unto to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince, that's King Cyrus, shall be seven weeks, forty nine years. So by the time from the time that Jeremiah spoke that debar, probably in around six oh six, six oh five BC, when the first captivity started taking place. Um, because Jerusalem wasn't totally destroyed until 586, 587 BC. Mm-hmm. But the, the original captivities, like and Daniel was one was taken in the first group, was in 60, was 605, 606 BC. That's right. So picture that from the going forth of Jeremiah's word until 50 years later, here's King Cyrus just starting to come on scene. You know, and the, the Medo-Persians, they were uncles and cousins and brothers of, they were all related. And here this guy comes up and rises up. It becomes um, king of Babylon and and actually frees the Jews. Isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't actually return until under Artaxerxes, under Ezra in uh, the 400s. But the, the word went out. You get it? Mm-hmm. Okay. The next line that says, <clears throat> here's another, here's, here's the second unit of time. See, they're unequal. The first one is 49 years. Here's the second unit of time. And three score in two weeks, that's 62, times seven equals 434 years. That's a huge time span. Mm -hmm. And in this time span, Daniel was told the street, what street? Jerusalem, the streets of Jerusalem, the city, the street shall be built again. And the wall, what wall? The walls of Jerusalem. They'll be rebuilt again, but even in troublous times, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be easy. You can read about that. In Ezra and in um, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Um, and then it says, and after three score and two weeks, so after those 434 years, that's a big time frame after that. So Daniel shot way, way into the future. After that shall Messiah, that's Jesus. This Messiah is God's anointed. This is now this is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It says, shall Messiah, because Jesus is God's anointed one as Messiah, right? Mm -hmm. Be cut off. He dies. It predicts Christ's coming and his death. He's cut off, but not for himself. He doesn't doesn't have anything. See, he comes as a servant. He's he's God's suffering servant, as Mm -hmm. predicted in Isaiah. And then it says, and the people of the prince... That's the people who are led by the prince. Now, many people believe that's Titus or Vespasian or, you know, the Roman. And that could be it. I think the prince is angelic. Because Daniel, when you read Daniel, it's all about these these angels talking to him and stuff. And in fact, in this particular chapter, the angel Gabriel was hindered by the prince of Persia. Mm-hmm. Until Michael rose up to help him. And then he says, and after I get back, the prince of Greece is coming, which he did. The Prince of Greece. And he controlled Alexander and all the the Grecian Empire. Mm -hmm. So I believe in this chapter where it says the people of the prince, that that's that's the it's a Roman prince. It's an angelic force. It's an angelic host or a principality that controlled Rome. A zeitgeist. A zeitgeist. Exactly. And his people are the Romans. So it says and the people of the prince that shall come 
So it's future for Daniel. 434 years in the future. Shall destroy the city and sanctuary. What city and sanctuary? America? Mm-mm. Detroit? Nope. No. Jerusalem. What sanctuary? The temple. There has to be a second temple built for it to be destroyed. And it was destroyed in AD 70. You see how the, the prophecy and the vision is sealed? It's mm-hmm. confirmed. There's a stamp of seal on it. It's mm-hmm. like, boom, this is it. This is the real authentic deal. So the people of the prince shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. That means there's a whole bunch. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. In other words, and if you read Josephus in history uh, of the Jewish wars and the Jewish people, you will understand they were at war, you know, about six or seven years before the total destruction of the temple in AD 70. That's right. And it says, until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Mm-hmm. It's going to be desolate. It's going to be bad, 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 bad. So we're at four, we're at 400 and, um, you know, 34 years shot out until, you know, Messiah is cut off. And then we know that like 40 years later in AD 70, the temple's destroyed. Let me, let me make something real clear. These three unequal units of time don't necessarily happen in exact um, linear ways. These were events. Yes, they're big units of events. I'm giving you units of time that stuff's going to happen. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, here's, here's the rub. Here's where people get the Antichrist, and I'm going to give you a different take on it. Here's the last of it. And it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's the last unit of time in Daniel. That's one times seven equals seven. Seven years. That's the last seven years. So many people say God's time clock stopped at Christ. And the... Stopped at Christ. And then it shoots way into the future, some unknown time, when you'll have a destruction of the city and the sanctuary and um, a covenant made with Israel and then reversed it and you have the great tribulation, blah, 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 blah. It's called a big gap theory. Right? Mm -hmm. But that's not what it says. It Mm -hmm. says... It says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, for seven years. Who's who's the pronoun he referring to? Messiah. It's referring to Messiah. Now, some people say, well, after Messiah is the is the term, the people of the prince. So it must be the prince is the one who's confirming the covenant with many for one week. And that's where they get the Antichrist stuff. But he's talking about the Messiah. I'm telling you. And he, Messiah, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, seven years. And in the midst of the week, he, Messiah, shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. You know why? Because Messiah died and resurrected. And when he did that, he was the final sacrifice to end what? All that seven stuff to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation of iniquity. He brought in everlasting righteousness. He sealed up the vision and prophecy. And he knew he the most holy. Mm-hmm. He did all those things. And when he did that, that's why sacrifice and oblation ceased in that's the right. middle of that seven year period. And we're going to break that down and you're going to under, you're going to see it. Mm-hmm. And for the overspreading of abominations, what that means 
because of such wickedness, because of the abominations were so much, he, not the Antichrist, he, Christ, Jesus, Messiah, shall make it, what? City and sanctuary, desolate, even until the consummation. That means the end of the age. And that determined... What God has determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. In other words, there is no third temple. Right here it tells you it will never be rebuilt. Mm -mm. There's no need for it. No need. Absolutely no need. It's totally unbiblical. It's unbiblical to to, to open a third temple and start doing animal sacrifices as a quote-unquote memorial. Yeah, so even if they did build a third temple, it wouldn't be recognized by God. No. And it's impossible to do it without a Levitical priest, priesthood. And that disappeared long ago, mm-hmm. way before 70 AD. Back in 175 BC, matter of fact, the chief priest office then became politicized and was sold for political gain and favor. That's right. Instead of being picked by God. Long time, way before Jesus even came on scene, that was, that was gone. You can't please God through the Mosaic law anymore or through, right. through ritual. So for the overspreading of abominations, Jesus makes it, Jerusalem, and the temple desolate. Even until the consummation. That means the end of the age. That's the end of the 6,000 year period. Mm -hmm. And that determined by God shall be poured upon the desolate. It's never going to be rebuilt. Okay, so now you're listening to me and you're going, wow, that kind of makes sense. But I'm not really sure about you know, he being Jesus confirming the covenant. I still think it's the prince of the people and that he's the one who destroys blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going to show you. Right, Mr. Beck? That's right. So, Ms. Kapow, if you will do me a favor and sure. read Matthew Henry's commentary. Okay. Everybody's familiar with Matthew Henry's commentary. It's a hundred some odd years old. And she's going to read this. And I want you to listen carefully how he says the same thing. He didn't say it in so many words. But he believes that it was it was Christ. Okay. Verses, this is regarding verses 24 through 27 in Daniel 9. It goes, One of the most remarkable prophecies of Christ, of his coming and his salvation, it shows that the Jews are guilty of most obstinate unbelief in expecting another Messiah so long after the time expressly fixed for his coming. The 70 weeks mean a, ye- a day for a year or 490 years. About the end of this period, a sacrifice would be offered, making full atonement for sin and bringing in everlasting righteousness for the complete justification of every believer. Then the Jews in the crucifixion of Jesus would commit that crime by which the measure of their guilt would be filled up and troubles would come upon their nation. All blessings bestowed on sinful man come through Christ's atoning sacrifice who suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Here is our way of access to the throne of grace and of our entrance to heaven. This seals the sum of prophecy and confirms the covenant with many. And while we rejoice in the blessings of salvation, we should remember what they cost the Redeemer. How can those escape who neglect 
so great a salvation. Now, the other thing, I, when I was reading this, what came to me was Revelations 19.10, which says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I mean, you, you can see here that this old commentary, you know, the old school, because you can't, you can't trust the new stuff today, I'm telling you. It's just no. like Enochian translations, the new ones. You can't, or Bible translate, you can't trust. No. You can't trust the new ones. They're, they're really, really uh, corrupt. So here's this old commentary, and he's clearly saying that at the end of 490 years in the 70-week prophecy, he's clearly saying at the end of this period that a sacrifice, and that's Jesus Christ, would be offered that made full atonement for sin, that brought in everlasting righteousness, that completes the justification of every believer. It's everything Daniel 9, 24 says. Mm -hmm. All those things are fulfilled in Jesus. So he also goes on and he says that all of this, Christ's atoning sacrifice, that his, his suffering once for all the sins to bring us to the way to God in heaven, he says that this seals the sum of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And also it confirmed the covenant with many. Not the Antichrist. Jesus confirmed that covenant with many. So let me just stop and ask you the question. Which is more, more beautiful to believe? That a some future Antichrist sitting in some future temple in some future Jerusalem being mean to the Jews and breaking a covenant and then bringing all tribulation out and making everybody accept the mark of the beast and blah, blah, blah. What is more beautiful, to believe in that or to see Jesus Christ's salvation in this passage? That Jesus Christ came, he was cut off, and he made a covenant with many. And in the middle of that last week, between the time of his death and about three or four years after, when the early church was scattered in the book of Acts when they stoned Stephen. In the middle of that was his death. By the time he started his ministry, which we know is about three years, three and a half years, he died. And then here's Stephen stoned and it scattered that church, that early church. And they begin to take that gospel to the Gentiles mm-hmm. and to the whole world. See, and that was another three and a half, which equals seven. Exactly. And that was the last of Daniel's 70 weeks. Mm-hmm. What is more beautiful to believe, Antichrist or Jesus Christ? That's Jesus. My only, my only thing here is because it points to the beauty of salvation rather than to the ugliness of some future, you know, Antichrist thing that, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd, for me, I would just rather look at Christ. That's right. Okay. Another old, old commentary is the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary, over 100 years old. They have a very long expose on this. I just took some highlights out. And um, we'll take turns, Ms. Kapow. Okay. How's that? I'll start off. They say the 70 weeks date... 13 years before the rebuilding of Jerusalem. For then, the reestablishment of the theocracy began, namely at the return of Ezra to Jerusalem in 457 B.C. 
So that's when they begin to rebuild Jerusalem in 457 B.C. So Jeremiah's 70 years of the captivity began 606 B.C., 18 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. Remember, there was was um, several captivities before they actually destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. Daniel was taken out in the first captivity in 606 B.C. Mm-hmm. For then... Judah ceased to exist as an independent theocracy, having fallen under the sway of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's in context. So if you'll do the next uh, line, determined. Determined. Literally means to cut out, namely, from the whole course of time, for God to deal in a particular manner with Jerusalem. And, th- and that comes, what, what Ms. Kapow just read, that comes exactly from the scripture itself. Mm-hmm. You know, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So, so basically, um, it reads, 70 weeks are cut out upon thy people and upon thy holy city. That's right. So, so it's it's God's time. God's time is perfect. And it's going to happen when he says it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's why I also believe in that the 6,000 year plan. You know, even mm-hmm. though I don't know the day or the hour or when creation started, I know I'm close. Hey, God's God's always faithful, right? He can shorten the days, but he's not going to long. He's not going to elongate them. God is faithful to his word. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next line in the scripture says, um, they're determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. And the commentary says that thy and thy Daniel had in his prayer often spoken of Israel as thy people or thy holy city. But Gabriel, in reply, speaks of them as Daniel's, thy and thy people, and thy city. God thus intimating that until the everlasting righteousness should be brought in by Messiah, he could not fully own them as his. Wow. Rather, as God is wishing to console David or Daniel and the godly Jews, the people whom thou art so anxiously praying for, such weight does God give to the intercessions of the righteous? Um, in other words, God's not claiming them. He's saying they're your people. R- remember, in, God said that to Moses in Exodus 32, 7, mm-hmm. where uh, he told uh, Moses, hey, go down and look what your people are doing. <laughs> Moses hey, they're not my people, they're yours. Go, uh-uh, they're yours. Wow. Okay, the next, the next line uh, in the scripture is to finish, right? Mm-hmm. To finish. To finish the transgression. Okay. Finish literally means to shut up or to remove from God's sight that is abolish. And that can be also found in uh, Psalm 51.9. It says the 70 years exile was a punishment, but not a full atonement for the sin of the people. This would come only after 70 prophetic weeks through the Messiah. And the next one is to make an end of sins. So to make an end of, the Hebrew reading is to steal. That is to hide out of sight from the custom of sealing up things to be concealed. You can look at Job 9.7 for that. And um, it's supported by that. So it means to steal or to seal up, to conceal it, to make an end of sins, to conceal sins. Who did that? 
Jesus. Jesus did that, not Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Okay, the third one, to make reconciliation for iniquity. So to make reconciliation for literally is to cover or to overlay as with pitch. And then you can p- compare the scriptures in Genesis 6.14, I believe with the ark, yeah. and then uh, compare it with um, Psalm 32.1. You know, so, so Antichrist did not do that. No. Antichrist didn't bring in... Uh, you know, a reconciliation for iniquity. Mm-mm. My goodness. This is all about Christ. This is what we see in this. Okay, and four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Okay, so um, that is namely the restoration of the normal state between God and man to continue eternally. Only Christ could do that. Who could bring in everlasting righteousness? The restoration of the normal state between God and man. As spoken of in Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Hebrews 9, 12 and Revelation 14, 6. Mm-hmm. Only Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one is to seal up. The vision and prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so to seal up means to literally profit. To give the seal of confirmation to the prophet and his vision by the fulfillment. So after he gives given the word, the prophecy or the vision, and after it comes to pass, that's actually the confirmation that the word of God came Amen. is fulfilled. And it's it's kind of like this. This is the prophecy given to Israel, to his people, and his holy city. And when they missed that first visitation, when they rejected Jesus Christ and crucified him and killed their God. You see, you see the how big this is? Mm-hmm. It's like, how could you possibly miss that this was your Messiah? You know, after this prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it gives you another um, insight or uh, perception when Jesus says, because the word, because you didn't, under, you didn't believe because the word was not in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have hindsight and we look back and go, wow. But they didn't have the word in them. Mm-hmm. No. Okay, and the last one, anoint the most holy. And that is primarily to anoint or to consecrate after its pollution. It could be the most holy place, but mainly Messiah, who's the anti-type to the most holy place. Mm-hmm. You find that in John 2.19 through 22nd. Right? Right. So the most holy or the most holy place is your heart. Is your spirit? Because Jeremiah says, "I'll create in them a new heart and a new spirit." Right? That's right. Not made of uh, stone or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to take the the next one? Here it says the Messiah appears in a twofold aspect: salvation to believers, judgment on believers. And they cite uh, Luke two twenty three, which says, "And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child." is set for the fallen rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. You he said you said Luke 2.23, and um, I have Luke 2.34. I'm sorry, you're right. Okay. It's 2.34. Oh, okay. And he repeatedly in Passion Week connects his being cut off with the destruction of the city as cause and effect. And then I'm going to read uh, Luke 21.20-24 that says... And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, 
and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let them not that are in the countries into enter thereinto, for these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon the people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now it continues that Israel might naturally expect Messiah's kingdom of glory, if not after the 70 years captivity, at least at the end of the 62 weeks, but instead of that shall be his death and the consequent destruction of Jerusalem. So it's all tied in. And he shall confirm the covenant. So once again, we don't see the Antichrist confirming the covenant in some last seven-year period thrown way in the future. We see this has already happened in Christ's uh, ministry, his death, and then three years, three to four years after his resurrection at the stoning of Stephen. He shall confirm the covenant, Christ. The confirmation of the covenant is assigned to him also elsewhere. Isaiah 42, 6 reads, I will give thee for a covenant of the people. Mm-hmm. Not Antichrist. I will give thee for a covenant of the people. That is, he in whom the covenant between Israel and God is personally expressed. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, in Luke twenty two twenty, it says, Jesus says, this is the new testament or the new covenant in my blood. So even Jesus says that. He makes a new covenant with, with us, with his disciples right then and there. And then Daniel saying in the middle of the week, he makes a covenant with the people in the middle of the week. He puts an end to all sacrifice and oblation. It ceases. Mm-hmm. And he does that through his death. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, the New Testament in my blood is what Jesus said. And then in Malachi 3.1, the angel of the covenant mm-hmm. is mentioned. And Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, describes the messianic covenant in full. I have that one if you want oh, to read yeah. it. Mm-hmm. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was in a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. See, that's the anointing of the most holy place. That's right. I will put my word and law in their heart. It's anointed, the most holy place, because the Holy Spirit now lives in you. Man, this it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What's more beautiful, this or some Antichrist character sitting in, in Israel being mean? <clears throat> yeah, what's I mean, come on, can you see the beauty of this mm-hmm. compared to what most of us have been taught for years and years and years and we grew up with, with false teaching? Mm-hmm. You have to question everything. 
Okay, so let me, uh, okay, you can, you go on in the midst of the week. Okay. In the midst of the week, the 70 weeks extend to AD 33. Israel was not actually destroyed until AD 79, but it was so virtually AD 33, about three or four years after Christ's death, during which the gospel was preached exclusively to the Jews. When the Jews persecuted the church and stoned Stephen, which is read in Acts 7, 54-60, the respite of grace granted to them was at an end. Luke 13, 7, 9. Israel, having rejected Christ, was rejected by Christ and henceforth is counted dead. And here it says to compare Genesis um, see, 2, 17, which says, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then, in um, compare it with uh, Genesis 5, 5, which says, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and then he died. Mm-hmm. Its actual destruction by Titus being the consumption, consummation of the removal of the kingdom of God from Israel to the Gentiles which is uh, Matthew twenty one forty three, where it says, Therefore I say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Man, it, it's hard to deny. This is hard to deny that this is the meaning of Daniel 70 weeks. Mm-hmm. And the confusion comes in. I mean, everybody is confused about Bible prophecy because they don't know what's going to happen next and what, what we heard a very well-known Christian, you know, skull chaser, Nephilim guy, who's very famous and well-known, does a lot of DVD documentaries, and he's the who-who of those kind of people. And we heard him say that, as far as the end times go, we have, correct me if I'm wrong, Ms. Capel, but mm-hmm. didn't he say we have plenty of time? Yep. He says because the third temple isn't built yet and the Antichrist has to sit in that temple. That's right. So, so in, instead of him looking or encouraging his followers to look for the return of Christ at any moment in the end of the age, we got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. We got plenty of time. I mean, outside of personal death. You know, you just got plenty of time because the temple's not built yet. So they're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking for Antichrist instead of Jesus Christ. That's right. Okay? And it's a very, very popular, very popular, probably the majority of people believe that. And that's why it gets so confusing. But it shouldn't be confusing. This, because this is what the scriptures say. So, um, so in the midst of the week, like Ms. Kapow says... At about AD 33, you got to understand, Jesus started his ministry. He only had about a three and a half year ministry. He started his ministry about age 30. And this is a seven year period. So he starts his ministry and then he's killed in the middle of that after about three years. And that's what ends sacrifice and oblation. And then you have another three years extending after that, three or four years extending after that. And the gospels preached to the Jews. And they're trying to tell you, this is, this is the Messiah we've been looking for. This is that Jesus Christ you know, that was predicted. This is the Son of Man. 
And what did they do? They kill, they kill them. They kill Stephen. And they persecuted the church. This is where Saul goes out. Um, and he's, he has murder on his mind. And they're dragging people out of their homes, and they're killing them and persecuting them. And it splits the church, and it makes the church go out and preach the gospel. That's why we have the book of Enoch, I believe, because Philip preached to the, the Ethiopian. That's right. Yeah. And, and the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah saying, I don't understand it unless someone could, could reveal it to me. And then Peter by the Holy, I mean, uh, Philip by the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Mm-hmm. He was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and went back to Ethiopia. And I believe he had the book of Enoch. And if it wasn't for the Ethiopian church, we wouldn't have any complete document of this book. That's right. Amazing when you look at it mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, and so then they started persecuting the church, and that's when it was take the gospel was taken out to the Gentiles. And Christ says, boom, God divorced Israel at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it says, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. That's mm-hmm. Jesus. That's right. Distinct from the temporary, quote, taking away of the daily, end of quote, sacrifice by Antiochus. That's in Daniel eight eleven and eleven thirty one. It's not the same thing. Mm-mm. Antiochus is a type of an antichrist. He's a type of an evil person. But this is distinct from temporarily taken away. This ceased. Messiah was to cause all sacrifices and oblations to cease utterly. And Jesus died in the middle of the last week, AD 30. His prophetic life lasted three and a half years. The rendering of the veil marked the cessation of sacrifices through Christ's death. Yeah, and let me read uh, Leviticus sixteen fifteen. So okay. it says, Then shall the, he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is, for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do with the blood as he did with the work of the bullock, and sprinkle it off the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And then we go over to Hebrews four ten fourteen, which says, For by one offering he had perfected, Forever them that are sanctified, and that's Jesus, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So we have to remember, wow. too, when... when um the the temple was destroyed you know when they went to babylon yeah because there was no more um they were not allowed to do sacrifices or anything like that Mm-mm. the lord forgave them their sin but their sin was never um removed no. right no it was just the mercy it was it was god's mercy on them yeah, so this is a, so when Jesus came, that's why they were looking for their Messiah because mm-hmm. when Jesus came, he actually promised to have those sins removed. Exactly. And you know what? It's very very fascinating that the scripture you read in Hebrews uh 10, 14 through 18 mm-hmm. has the exact same words as Daniel. It uses the exactly. words iniquity, yes. reconciliation. It mm-hmm. talks about placing the law on, on the heart, which right. is the holy, anointing the most holy place. See, and this is the word being fulfilled. 
confirmed. Yes. This is the stamp of approval yes. from God. This is the sealing of the prophet and That's the right. vision. Holy moly, this is heavy stuff, folks. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I, for right now, I'm just now getting that Hebrews 10, 14 through 18. That just hit me like a ton of bricks when you read that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise Man. Because it has the exact same wording as Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Mm-hmm. If, in fact, when you understand it, now Hebrews 10, 14 through 18 makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That's what he's talking about. See, they knew this stuff. There cannot be a covenant without sacrifice. That's right. And you know, when we go to Genesis 8.20, it says, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took every clean beast and every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Then when we go to Hebrews 9.15, it says, And for this cause he, Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions, that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Wow. wow. Isn't that beautiful? I I just got like what that that also I mean that's mm. that's so Danielic. That what you just read there is so Danielic. He's mm-hmm. talking about a new covenant. He's talking about all of that stuff. And he's talking about sacrifice into the writer of Hebrews. Had had he knew exactly what what Daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven was yeah, and he knew it was the fulfillment of Christ, mm-hmm. not some antichrist in the future. Man, you know the more I talk about this, and the more I think about it, it, you know, I know starbursts. Yeah, and I'm telling you to 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 look at that last seven year period at some period in the future that antichrist is going to come. It, what what that doctrine is doing is taking the glory. From Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. giving it to Satan. That's right. Honestly, teaching that, and, and I don't want to put guilt on you guys, but believing that, you're taking that glory of that covenant of Jesus Christ, of his new covenant shed by his blood for your sins, and you're attributing that to the Satan who's supposed to be making a deal with Israel and then breaking it. Mm-hmm. That's, you know what? That's, I honestly, it's a doctrine of devils. Yes. It really is a doctrine of devils. Amen. It twists the beautiful truth of Jesus Christ and his salvation, folks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's heavy stuff. There cannot be a covenant without sacrifice. Here the old covenant is to be confirmed. Mm-hmm. But in a way peculiar to the New Testament, namely by the one sacrifice which would terminate all sacrifices. Amen. That's uh, You can look at Psalms 40. 6 and 11 to see that. And just in conclusion, we'll talk about the overspreading of abominations, and you can you can talk about that, um, Ms. Kapow. Okay. You know, because we're, we're the, last, the last part of that scripture where it says, um, and for the overspreading of abominations, he, Jesus, shall make it, that's the city and the sanctuary desolate, even until the consummation or the end of the age, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So that's that's what we're talking about. So it says, For the overspreading of abominations, on account of the abominations committed by the unholy people against the Holy One, he shall not only destroy the city and the sanctuary, as mentioned in Daniel 9.25, but shall continue its desolation until the time of the consummation determined by God. And this phrase is quoted 
from Isaiah 10, 22 to 23, and I'm going to read that. So it says, For though the people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return, and the consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. And so when at the last the world power shall be judged and dominion be given to the saints of the Most High, which is in Daniel 7, 26 and 27. I think I have that one. Yes, okay. I do. And, just, and when you find that, remember Daniel 7 is written in Aramaic. And that's, that's for right. the world. Not specific for Israel, but for all of us. And that is in relation to the um, dream vision of Nebuchadnezzar of the huge statue. He's the head of gold. Mm-hmm. And then you have Greece, then you have Medo-Persia, and then you have uh, Rome. And then at the end, you have those toes that they, quote-unquote, mix with the seed of men, and they're partly strong and partly weak. Those toes are hit and crushed by a huge rock that's not made out of hands, and that whole statue comes down, and then that rock becomes a mountain and uh, takes over the whole world, and that's the kingdom of Christ. So... When Daniel's saying that it's the overspread of abominations and this destruction of this sanctuary shall continue until the time of that cons- consummation that's determined by God. Only God knows the day or the hour when he's going to consume world history. Okay. When at last Satan, that, that world power is judged and then dominion are given to uh, the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's no third temple. No. It says right there, it's consumed until the end of the age. Amen. Daniel seven twenty six through 27 says, But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Amen. Amen. And I want to correct uh, myself. I was talking about the head of gold, the statue that's in Daniel two, but it coincides. That's also in Hebrew or in Aramaic that coincides with Daniel seven. Daniel seven is just another perspective of the world history. Daniel mm-hmm. two is another perspective of it. Right. All right. They're both world history. They're written Aramaic for us, the world Daniel 9 is uh, Hebrew for Israel, for Daniel's holy people, his holy place, and his people. Uh, that's heavy stuff. That's heavy stuff, Ms. Mm-hmm. That's Daniel's 70 weeks. Um, it does have something to do with the book of Enoch, because he talks, he has 10 weeks uh, that we believe are 700-year periods, um, as opposed to Daniel's 70 uh, weeks. It's 10 weeks that are 700-year periods that coincide with the um, 6,000 or 7,000-year plan of God. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, But anyway, I think this study is a lot more beautiful because it points to Christ in such a beautiful way. It does. Um, yeah. So once again, I leave you with a question. <laughs> you know, I know I'm kind of shaming a bunch of people, really. I don't mean to, but it's like, well, what's more beautiful? What makes more sense scripturally? And, um, you know, to see the salvation and the redemption and the covenant of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. 
and him ending all sacrifice and oblation through his death and resurrection or to see that last seven year period sometime in the future with Satan ruling the world. I'm going to look at Jesus rather than Satan. That's my personal goal. Plus, it's biblical. And it's biblical. The Bible says we are to look at Jesus. Yeah. And I, and I just showed you, there's two old commentaries that are over 100 years old, and those guys saw the same thing. Um, your modern-day people, uh, you know, Tim LaHaye did a, a world of damage with his um, Left Behind series, you know, and those movies, mm. those fictitious movies, where people, you know, thought that was truth in Bible, and um, it's just... He did a lot of harm to doctrine. Anything else, Ms. Khan? Nope, that's it, really. Okay, so we're going to say goodnight and have a blessed week. Ciao, baby. Bye.